a slightly different episode today as we look back over the last 10 episodes and ahead to the next 52. Yes, we are changing it up a little bit. No longer are we going to be running a 10-part series. Instead, we'll be running a 52-part season starting next week called Season X. Season X doesn't just include interviews with founders, brands and entrepreneurs, but it also includes investment into our podcast, with microphones being supplied to all guests, new artwork, new sponsors, new team members and increased marketing. Season X, I guarantee, will be the best one yet. So coming up over the next 52 weeks, I chat to founders of businesses and brands such as Octopus Energy, who recently were valued at $4.6 billion. Pippa Nutt, who I'm sure you've seen plastered all over London buses and Cano Water, who have sold some 15 million cans of water since their founding, as well as many more businesses, brands and individuals such as Chase Gin, Tyrrell's Crisps, Shoffle, We Are Wild, The Rebel Book Club and Boundless Snacks. With an episode every Wednesday from 8am for 52 weeks, we hope you can join us for more insight, more inspiration and more innovation. What makes an entrepreneur? How do you build a billion dollar business? How do you hire your first team member? And when should you say no? This is all to come, however, but before we get too excited, I wanted to thank my team at Pinpoint Media for making this podcast the continued success it seems to be. Produced by Dan Miller and Fergus Bruce, edited by Harry Fox and Joe Kinsella, filmed by Madeleine Harris and managed by Bethan White and Annabelle Lawton-Smith, they are the real talent behind success is in the mind. Right, for those that have missed it, I want to take you on a journey back over the last 10 weeks. Having spoken to 10 truly inspirational entrepreneurs, I have handpicked the little nuggets, the morsels, the tapas of conversations so you can recap and refresh. I admit, since interviewing Hub Van Brockel on episode 31, I have become a bit of a fanboy, and yes, I have binned off Monster Energy and Red Bull, and now I literally live on Tenzing. You've nailed the brand. I mean, looking at it, it looks it looks excellent. But having looked into, I suppose, the brand over the last couple of years, you, you change it quite regularly, don't you? Or you have done. You've never sort of fully settled on one brand. You do new runs every now and again. How, are you happy with the brand now, or do you think that's going to keep changing? Well, wh which one do you have there? I've got the natural energy plant-based original recipe. No, let's show me the can. The blue one. Yeah, yeah, no, no. So we've actually changed it again. I only got these last week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but now we're done. The great thing, I think, if you work for other companies, let's say as, as a Red Bull as an example, of course, you'd never touch the can design, right? That was that was just always there. And there's something really nice about that. So it's like, you can't touch that, but you can like, you know, come up with a new event or whatever. Yes. And that's nearly the disadvantage of your own business because you can change everything. And, and what also was a big one for us is that I started with a single SKU business, uh, which then also, um, and then moved to two and three and four. And I think, you know, once you have more different like flavors and different blends, a different design is needed. Yeah, top, but the, the purple taste is my favourite. I mean, they went down well in the office. And just to put some context in place, you guys sent us 50, 50 60 drinks last week, and today we are on our final can. So, yeah, no, you know, exactly. if that's market research, there you go. Uh, so brilliant. what's the final design then? Yeah, so our original can, the very first one, was just simply blue. Okay. And we had a fade in there, so it was like from dark blue to light blue, but that's very difficult to get across, you know, on, the, on these kind of, you know, aluminium cans. So I, you can hardly see that there's a fade. Um, so, but then you do it already produce them and you had a minimum around 150,000 that you do. And I, for our first year, we thought we let our business plan was to sell a million cans and we sold like a hundred thousand of them or something. Crikey. Does it go out of date though? Or, or it not? didn't, it didn't lucky enough. Cause we, um, you know, so it's, it's cause it's aluminium and you can actually, and we, and we you know, very shortly, we, uh, you know, very shortly pasteurization process to take on. But so I think, you know, it's, uh, we could, 
usually we sell all our current cans because it is a natural product and you'll you'll feel uh it does change a bit over you know let's say with all the other drinks and also because it's very low in sugar you, it's more subtle i think with with the you know the likes of you know the cokes and the red bulls and the pepsis because it's so high in sugar it like tastes it tastes tastes very the same but because we're a natural product with lower sugar so we do try and sell them all within within a couple of months um so for me that was always the big big challenge like how do you how do you kind of uncouple that but still say this stuff really works and and and, and i look i think I, if i look at this design it was just too much energy still As someone who could relate hugely to the journey of Johnny Hornby's first six months in business, this podcast resonated with me and clearly you guys too. It's been voted by the listeners as the top podcast of Series 4. Check out Johnny Hornby from the AM Partnership in Episode 36. Structurally then, how did you set the business up? Because it was you three guys whiff-waffing away in the, in the boardroom. What did you, how did you know about setting up a business? Because you'd only worked for people previously and you'd had seniors, you'd had juniors granted, but you'd never run, I suppose, a team with equity and with actual overheads yourself. What did you do to be able to learn how to structurally set that up? Oh, you know, fuck it up over and over again. I mean, you know, really interesting, like, uh <laughs> after we finally did get some advertising and some stuff going whatever you know we didn't have a finance person so i did the finance oh, good for how long six months until in fact this happened um somebody said what have we done about fat so, what have we done about VAT?" and you know so i hadn't done anything about that and so uh you know suddenly something like shit there's a vat of beer in the corner that's yeah exactly that's the only thing there is there's a did the bat the, the, yes. the, there's a bat for the ping pong but there wasn't any vat <laughs> in terms of your experience both i suppose in agency but arguably in business full stop you, you obviously have very much focused on agency life for the last 30 odd years what stopped you from investing say capital that you have been uh, given or indeed generated into other areas other businesses other markets and you know why have you been so focused in agency life I, I'm sort of quite convinced about the fact that as, as I get older that you know there's things I know a lot about and, and, and those and those revolve around <laughs> agency yes. life with 30 years of experience and there's things I know no, nothing about and therefore I guess I have focused the money that this company has has, has generated uh, and investing back in people and talent that I sort of understand and in some cases invested it in technologies uh, often alongside you know WPP that we that we think we can deploy effectively for our clients some of those have gone well some have actually gone pretty badly as well I mean listen the the, the business has been very successful so we've won a lot more than we've lost but for our clients today you know it's about understanding how do you sell in Amazon how do you use Salesforce as a as a as a business to business tool if you're a subscription business or a b2b player you know how do you use instagram facebook you know to 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 target audiences and to find the audiences that are right for a brand that that we are better at most of the brands that we work with than we are in inventing them we will still invest at times in we've we've invested in some video platforms we've invested in other apps uh, but on the whole my my life as a tech investor on behalf of the M partnership has been probably limited limited success and i think we're, we're better off actually uh partnering via wpp with with the biggest platforms 
inspiration of mine for starting my own business, Pinpoint Media, I somehow managed to get Sir Martin Sorrell on episode 30, a man who built a billion-dollar agency in less than a year. His 20-squared strategy and future foresight was genuinely fascinating. When I left Sarches and started wearing plastic products, yeah, I wasn't sort of conscious of the of the speed. I mean, I was conscious of the fact I wanted to get on with it, but I wasn't as sort of as conscious of it as I think. And uh, you know, I say jokingly about being seventy three, but it does. You know, uh, there, yeah, there's another element to it. Was that you know, I chose to go. I thought the chairman of WPP bungled. Well, it, well, indeed. I mean, Mark Reed, for instance, who is you? You say is the wrong chap for WPP to, to drive. Well, it no, it's not, it's not the wrong chap. He's he, he's the wrong half a chap. Um, you know, he is is Andrew Scott, who sort of disappeared into the background for unknown reasons. I don't know, because I think Andrew has the abilities that Mark doesn't. What we used to say at WPP was, you know, that the, the trade was you retain your independence through the earnout structure. Yeah. You continue to run your business and we'll do the back office. The trade now in an S4 context is a trade between you know, obviously because we're a unitary brand, so mm-hmm. people are going to have to buy into the unitary brand. So trade, the trade is your brand for access to talent, mm-hmm. access to capital, and you're going to be able to carve out space yes. within an enlarged organization. So it's quite an attractive destination. What does success, Martin, look like to you then? What do you what do you want to be when you're when, when you're older? <laughs> well, they, we don't have any goals. You know, people, uh, you know, I'd like to be in the FTSE 100. We're 124 or so in the FTSE right. after after three years. You know, we, we achieved unicorn status in one year, which I think is unprecedented. Yes. It wasn't that we set out to do that or even that we set out to be FTSE 100 or whatever. No, I, I think I think the measure of success is that we've got significant conversional scale in 20 with BMW and we're getting more whoppers. We define a whopper as $20 million right. of gross revenues uh, on an annual basis. And we're you know, getting getting more and more. We've identified 20 whoppers. Our objective is 20 squared, which is 20 times 20. Yeah, yeah. And we have five. We've identified probably another 10 that we think are potential ones. And you'll see... Shortly, I think that we're making more more progress in adding more whoppers. So conversion at scale was critically important. Streetwear and Lionel Messi, two things that go hand in hand. Episode 35, I spoke to the guys at Be Inspired. From being ex-professional footballers to building a business with revenues of some £15 million, how did they do it? To be honest, probably like we've done everything, we just sort of winged it. Just we were like, right, we want to go to America, and we just sort of went for it. Do you know what I mean? Like, and and then we just try and make it work as you go along. And these these countries that we entered, that like there was no strategy in place, and I think that's what we're aiming towards over the next five years is actually building a strategy of like this is our going to be our plan, our market plan in this country. Uh, at the beginning, it was a case of just like let's throw up our adverts, our content, our our videos from our photo shoots and let's just go from there and we'll just see see who what country gains traction a little bit um, and that's kind of how we we initially started to scale and the question on everybody's lips and i mean literally everybody's lips is how did you get Lionel Messi to wear your shirt so just kind of through football connections with uh Dundee United um i was speaking to Andy Robertson uh from Liverpool i managed to get couple of tickets for a Champions League game. I was just chatting to a few people. I managed to get uh, in touch with uh, Phil Coutinho's brother. 
uh, I got I got chatting to his brother and it kind of led on from there. It was like we were already Andy was actually an active customer. Right. So we'd sent a package down to the guys and it turned out obviously that two weeks later that Coutinho had moved to Barcelona. So yeah. still keeping in touch with his brother, um, I just sent him a, a wee message, oh, can we send over some more stuff to now that he's in Barcelona? Because his, his brother just followed him about. We sent four packages. We'd made them up in the warehouse the next day. We had one for Iniesta, one for Su- Luis Suarez, one for Xavi, one for Leo Messi. And, and yeah. I'm sorry, and another one for Coutinho, for not forgetting about him. These were sent over to the Barcelona guys. So about two weeks later, it was probably a wee bit later than that. We, there was a picture of Luis Suarez wearing the stuff. We got a few, we got a few photos. Uh, was, on, was, in the, was he not in Iniesta's video, Xavi's video or something? When uh... yeah, I think it was, I think it was Iniesta's uh, leaving leaving video. Uh, like they they'd done like a, a thing on the Barcelona page, and Suarez had the had the T-shirt with a big logo on the front of it. I got a text message on the Christmas Eve to say Messi's uh, Messi's on his way back to Argentina on his private jet, and he's been pictured at at the airport in Barcelona with your uh, yeah your, your black signature T-shirt on. And then I got obviously like looking on Instagram, and yeah. he was he's just constantly getting tagged and stuff. So obviously he was getting photos with uh, like stewards at the airport and stuff like that. And here he was with a T-shirt on. Everybody was say so straight away. Away at Christmas, we're we're posting this, thinking this is amazing, and then mm-hmm. you get the the comments on oh, it's Photoshop, it's Photoshop's not real, and it's like, well, it's on Instagram, I've not done it, it's just there, <laughs> you know. What I mean? yeah, so smart, smart. Capsule, really interesting, and one of the youngest businesses we've had on the podcast. Thomas Wynn and his growing team are on a fascinating growth trajectory and certainly wants to watch over the next 12 months. In episode 37, Tom dialed in from his new co-working office, so I apologise in advance for the audio. So, Tom, insurance isn't the most you know sexy industry in the world. How do you fire people up when you go into the office to get them motivated? Do you stand there like Jordan Belfort with a microphone and, and shout inspirational words at them? How do you do yeah. it? Wolf of Wall Street or Vin Diesel on Boiler Room. Um, <laughs> no, no um, I think, look, um, where my passion lies is, is in that kind of innovation and disruption. And, and because of the fact that insurance isn't sexy, it's ripe for innovation and disruption. And so it's our ability to do something better or in a different way than that traditional incumbent. And, and that, that really has always been the focus and then bringing this kind of absolute obsession with kind of customer service and kind of customer centricity to thinking, what do they need? Asking them, what do they need? What do they add value? We invested that time to do that and they ended up actually valuing what they had. And that actually is, is, is a really kind of it's worthwhile and, it, and people see people see the kind of the benefit in doing it. I think Capsule as a business is actually making insurance quite cool. I think the branding is excellent. I think it looks very, very good. In terms of businesses and brands that Capsule have won in their five-month tenure to date, what does that look like? A couple of examples would be Castor, the Andy Murray-backed sports brand. Their trajectory they're on is just so exciting. And actually, it's kind of a privilege to just be part of parts of those journeys Another similar story, um, a business called Wild Cosmetics, the, the guys that make the refillable, recyclable deodorant blocks. 
So again, there, there's, there's a, a sustainable business just growing this business like crazy over the last, after the last, over the last couple of years, taking investment from, from Jamjar, the guys behind Innocent Smoothies, launching internationally, launching new products. And there, there's the real opportunity for us to add value. In terms of what your journey is then, but you've been in it for five months, it's not even half a year yet. What are you going to do with the business over the next 12, 18, 24 months? You say that you'll be profitable in two years' time. What are your overheads at the moment and how much is it costing you to run it before you'll become profitable? This is when I talk about having a partner that's good at stuff that you're not. Um, <laughs> is he the numbers man? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he really. I'll have to die. I'll have to phone a friend. Patch Liam in. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I mean, the focus is very much on on kind of hiring a growth team and then focusing on a couple of these innovation projects. We're we're looking at revenue based insurance where businesses are kind of paying month to month based on actual in month revenue, so they don't end up underinsured or overpaying for insurance based on future projections. We're focused on the ESG piece. The focus really over the next 24 months is finding our way into niches. We're targeting VC-backed businesses. We're targeting high-growth businesses that have maybe won, um, won an award, featured on a high-growth list, gone through an accelerator program. And, and then we're really kind of finding our niche into kind of finding our way into niches like fintech or e-commerce or certain worlds that are high-growth in themselves, um, where it feels like there's an opportunity to to kind of add real value to these customers as they scale. And in terms of overheads, it, it, it's very, very much people. It's kind of really good people. I said we've hired a, a head of marketing, um, someone I've been aware of in the market and known but never worked directly with, i.e. kind of um, in the same team for a number of years. And, and it's those type of people that I think can really propel the, the, the business forward in a way kind of because they just have such different skills to myself and my co-founders. And so that, that's the big, big um, cost. And, and then just investment in technology technology but doing it in a clever way so that you're not having to spend hundreds of thousands of pounds up front without knowing whether what you're building is is adding real value. I could go on forever, but if you want to listen back to any of the podcasts over the last four series, you can. As you know, you can find us on all major podcast platforms, or you can ask your smart speaker to play Success is in the Mind podcast. If you know anyone you think we should interview, if you want to tell your story or have your say, please reach out to me via oliver at pinpoint-media.co.uk. See you next week for the first episode of our 52-part season, Season X with Greg Jackson, founder of Octopus Energy and serial entrepreneur. I promise you, it's a good one. Most people turn up to work wanting to do a good job. <laughs> and most people are smarter than companies give them credit for. Job ads always say we're looking for creative people who will take responsibility and see the bigger picture and stuff like that. And then you turn up for work and you're given a list of processes and a list of rules. And, and almost immediately, all those things that the company is recruiting for are being knocked off you. So true. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, share and rate. We simply couldn't do this without you. Take care.